the name of the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you're not on our parish email list, then you may not have heard that I am going to be moving to San Diego later this month. And Lisa and Allie have actually already packed up Lisa's car and they headed out this morning. And one of the great things about moving from Missouri to California is that you can get half the house for two or three times the money. (laughs) Wait a minute, maybe that's not such a good thing after all. Nevertheless, we did realize that we were going to have to downsize pretty significantly when we get to California. So over the past few weeks, we've worked frantically to get rid of stuff that we won't be able to bring with us. And this included pretty much all of my musical instruments. And while it had to be done, it was not easy. Some of the instruments I had had since high school, and they were filled with memories and sentimental value. And so I thought, if I have to part with all of these items, I want to be able to replace them with one superior instrument. And so I packed drums and basses and guitars into my car, and I took them down to the local music store where they had a really nice electric guitar that I had always wanted. And I told the salesman, you can have all of this. I just want that. And he said, deal. And we made the swap. And as I drove home with my new guitar in the car, it dawned on me that this situation is in many ways similar to our own Christian lives. Jesus offers us the kingdom of God that pearl of great price. But how often do we miss out on it because we insist on clinging to the inferior things of this world? And that is the theme of our gospel lesson this morning. John chapter 6, where our gospel lesson comes from, begins with Jesus feeding the 5,000, and that is immediately followed by Jesus walking on the water. Now, these two events that precede our reading are much more than mere parlor tricks or practical solutions to immediate problems. They are signs that point to Jesus' true identity and purpose. Jesus is more than just a prophet. He is more than just a preacher. He is more than just a teacher. He is God incarnate, the divine logos become flesh. And he has come not simply to feed the hungry and heal the sick, but he has come to usher in his kingdom reign. Our reading today begins with the crowd pursuing Jesus. And when they finally find him, Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father, has set his seal. 
Now in John's gospel, these signs or miracles that Jesus performs, they're meant to point to God and to Jesus' unique identity as the Son of God. And while Jesus is trying to raise the sights of the people toward the kingdom of God, they can't seem to break out of their fallen worldly paradigm. And so they're not seeking after Jesus because the kingdom is present in him, but rather because he's satisfied their worldly need. He's given them bread. And so they want him to do that to satisfy their own physical hunger. But Jesus tells them to forget about this worldly bread because he offers a much better kind of bread that leads not to full bellies, but rather to eternal life. He's painting this kingdom picture for them, and for a second, it almost seems like they're starting to get it. They ask him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus responds with a very simple answer. He says, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Now, the word believe here means more than simply to give intellectual assent to a proposition. It means to trust in something fully and to commit to it. It's belief that is put into action. And Jesus is telling them that this is the only ticket you need to get into the kingdom of God. But just as we think that perhaps the people are starting to understand, they show us that they're not. And they ask Jesus, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform our fathers ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're so stuck in these things of the past that they can't make that shift and realize that something even better is standing right there in front of them. Jesus has already performed these amazing signs. He's fed 5,000 people. He's walked on the water. And yet, all the people can do is talk about the manna that their ancestors ate in the wilderness after escaping slavery in Egypt. Now, don't get me wrong. This miracle of the manna was an incredible work of God. And through it, the Lord sustained his people for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness before they entered into the promised land. But this miracle was temporary, and it was meant to satisfy a physical hunger for the people. Jesus is offering something much better. He's offering bread that will satisfy their spiritual hunger for eternity. Jesus responds to them by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And now notice the shift that Jesus is making here. Moses, he was great, but Moses is dead. 
Moses is in the past, but God the Father is present here and now, and it is he and not Moses who has always sustained the people of God. Furthermore, he has sent his son into the world to bring life to all who put their trust in him. When the people ask Jesus to give them this bread, they think that they're asking for physical bread, like the manna in the wilderness. But Jesus reminds them that he is the bread. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He's telling them, I am the one who sustains you. I am the one who gives you eternal life. Keep your eyes focused on me and you too will see the kingdom of God. Jesus is calling the people to lift their eyes away from the mundane and temporary and inferior things of this world that are and to raise them up to the things that are life-giving and eternal. Rather than longing for the bread of the past, he is telling them to embrace the true bread that now stands before you. How often do we find ourselves in the same position as the people in our gospel story today? We have the kingdom of God right here before us, and yet we can, be easily we can be easily distracted by all of the inferior things of this world. In a way, it kind of reminds me of when I rent a car. Now, the virtue of patience is not one that I am blessed with in abundance. Um, never pray for patience because you'll be given opportunities to learn it. But because of this, when I rent a car, I usually just jump in it, put the destination into my GPS, and I go. And it's not until I get out on the road that I start to realize that my seats may be a little too far back, and the mirrors aren't adjusted, and I don't know how to turn the lights or the wipers on or off, and there's nothing playing on the radio that I want to listen to. And the problem is I start doing all these things and paying attention to all these other distractions and I lose sight of what I'm doing and where I'm going. In a similar way, there are so many things around us that serve to distract us from the kingdom of God. From our daily worries about jobs and finances to the larger issues of politics and culture wars, there's no shortage of things vying for our attention today. And it can be easy to set Jesus aside while we deal with the here and now. I knew a priest once who every December would preach a sermon on the war on Christmas. And while the secularization of the holiday is certainly a thing, if that's all we focus on, then we miss the gospel. The true meaning and importance of Christmas, of the incarnation of Jesus, has nothing to do with whether or not someone says happy holidays to us at Walmart. 
It's about God breaking into the physical world as a baby in order to reconcile us to himself. That is the good news. But if all we focus on is the culture war, we miss that. Another thing that can serve to distract us is a longing for the things of the past. The people in our gospel lesson hold Moses and the manna from heaven in such high regard that they're unable to see that Jesus offers them something far superior. Now, what's interesting, we look back on our Old Testament lesson and we look back on that whole story of the Exodus and the wilderness wandering, and we see that the people actually complained about the manna. They complained about Moses' leadership. They actually wanted to return to slavery in Egypt. Like the Israelites, we too have this tendency to idealize the things of the past and neglect the true reality, not only of where we are, but of where we have been. We long to return to a time when our church or our families or the country was perfect and everything was right with the world, but the truth of the matter is that time has never actually existed. When things get difficult, for me, I sometimes find myself longing for when I was in college or high school and life was great and everything was fun and there was no stress and no worries. But if I'm honest with myself, I have to admit that my life was just as stressful back then than it's been at any other time. When they were in the wilderness, the people of Israel longed to return to slavery in Egypt. But Moses called them to focus on the promised land that was before them. And in the same way, Jesus calls us not to pine for a nostalgic past, but rather to focus on the coming kingdom of God where he is the true bread that gives us eternal life. I believe that this is a very important lesson for the people of All Saints to hear today. Now, you're all about to enter into a period of transition as you begin the search for a new rector, and it will be very easy to become distracted. But don't let the enemy get a foothold. In the coming months, I want to encourage you, for the love of God, get off of Facebook and Fox News and CNN. These things are forming you as a people. As Christians, we are not to be formed by the things of this world, but by the word of God. Spend your time in scripture and in Bible study listening not to what the pundits want to tell you, but what the Lord God wants to tell you. Rather than focusing on your own personal desires, ask God to show you his desire for this parish and how you might not only be a part of that, but also how something new or different might enable you to grow in a new way or strengthen your faith. I also want to encourage you not to hold on too tightly to nostalgia. 
Now, as many of you know, I absolutely adored my predecessor, Father Doug. But he cast a very long shadow that for some of you, I was never able to escape. And I'm sure that others will be tempted to constantly compare whoever comes next to me. But here's the thing. The Lord called Father Doug here for a season, and he used his amazing gifts to do incredible things. And then the Lord called me, and I had very different skills and strengths. And the Lord has used those to continue building and growing this church. And the same will be true for our next rector. Now, I don't know who that's going to be, but I can promise you it's not going to be a Father Doug clone, and it's not going to be a Father Eric clone. He will come here with his own unique abilities and skills, and the Lord is going to use those to continue building on the foundation that has already been laid. But ultimately, I want to encourage you to keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus. A priest can give you bread, but Jesus is the bread. He is the head of the church. He is the reason we are here. It is his spiritual body and blood that we consume every Sunday, and that will remain the same regardless of who is behind that altar or who is in this pulpit. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells his disciples, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The Lord has a wonderful plan and a glorious future for all saints, but we can't be distracted by the inferior things of this world. Instead, we need to let those things go and keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And when we continue to seek his kingdom, the Lord will take care of the rest. Thanks be to God. Amen.